Sitting here doing the podcast, sipping my Boyer's coffee. Do you know, I'm a K-cup guy, and I put this out on social media the other day because uh, I needed to, to get product back in. So uh, I, I went on their website, boyerscoffee.com, and a couple clicks later, I had Mashup Sumatra from Peru coming in. I had Aspen Gold coming in, and um, I put it out that 48 hours later, literally, I had the box at my front door. I mean, it was that easy. And now I'm, I'm a little loaded up with coffee again and set to go. They have great product. And uh, as you know, they've been a great community member in this region since 1965. I not only love supporting them because they're about great things and they are locally owned and operated, but they make fabulous coffee. And that is the bottom line. And they have so many different flavors. So go online to boyerscoffee.com, boyerscoffee.com. Go shopping now, or you can still find it at your local grocery store as well. Boyerscoffee.com. Steel power tools. Man, I had a conversation. You probably thinking I'm crazy, but I, I saw a guy and uh, out on the street who was, you know, pruning trees and that sort of thing. And he had a steel um, chainsaw and, and he also had one of those long trimmers that he was using. And I said to him, I said, listen, I, you know, I, I'm kind of a spokesperson for steel and I love their product, but I noticed that a lot of professionals like uh, you guys use them. And he went on and on about how he's been in business for 25 years and he's used a lot of different companies. I, I should have taped this because it's like a perfect spot for steel. But he uses steel products and he uses a lot of the steel battery operated products, which I love because then you don't have to, you know, deal with, you know, getting gasoline, that sort of thing, even though that works. I get it. But the the power that you can get from battery operated chainsaws, trimmers, they have great lawn mowers, uh, blowers. This time of year, you know, you're trying to blow the leaves out as the leaves are going to start coming off the trees. You just got to check out all their products. They have more than 10,000 dealers around the country. SteelUSA.com. That's S-T-I-H-L or SteelDealers.com. And you can shop and you can find the dealer near you. And you are going to be... Uh, Blown away, literally and figuratively, by all their good stuff. That's S-T-I-H-L, Steel, USA. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Drew's TV partners, Jeff Husen and Ryan Spielborg, evaluating the Rockies. Who should be the MLB's MVPs and Cy Young Award winners? And this important matter. Huey, a bigger contrarian, Ryan Spielborgs or Corey Sullivan? Wow, um, I would probably go with... Also this. The funniest moment or the moment you remember the most this year from the booth. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Show number 169. And as always, glad you're along for the ride. Uh, a couple of things I'm going to start with this week before we get into, oh, baseball, Albert Pujols, chatting about the Rockies with my partners, Jeff Hewson and Ryan Spielborgs. I think I could do a segment, and everybody who does a sports podcast could do a segment on this. Heck, a news podcast, a, uh, an entertainment podcast, anybody who does a podcast period could probably do a lengthy segment 
on idiotic things that I've seen on Twitter today, right? Probably somebody already does a podcast with that, especially sports-related things. I've seen a few of these, and they began in week one of the NFL season. Who is the MVP so far? Are you shitting me? I mean, who takes the time? And actually, there have been pieces written. This goes beyond just somebody, you know, writing a quick sentence and a half about who they think should be the MVP of the NFL so far. And as we tape this, we're three weeks into the NFL. And last time I checked, they played 17 games. So that's ludicrous. But it happened in week one. But uh, it started in week one, I should say. People write articles about such things. Actual, I put this in air quotes, journalists write articles about who's the leading candidate for MVP thus far. Is it Lamar Jackson? Is it Tua down in Miami? Come on, man. That That is just idiocy. All right. Other idiotic things I've seen. This is, I, I it was called to my attention because somebody sent it to me seeking my comment on a picture of Nikola Jokic and three teammates at a Padres game as if I should be outraged because they were where they were behind the Padres dugout and they were wearing in some cases some Padre paraphernalia not across the board like this was somehow another you know punch to the gut of the Colorado Rockies who are in last place in the National League West even the hometown teams, you know, players on the hometown teams always seem to support one another. You know, the Rockies rooting for the Avalanche, the 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 Rockies rooting for the the Broncos, the Avalanche rooting for the Broncos, all, all of those things. It's it's commonplace in any city. But they were seeking my thought on it, like um, I'm going to be outraged, or more importantly, um, or from their perspective, see. Even the other athletes in town hate on the Rockies. I mean, they they were trying to take a jab. Um, Hello. This was, first of all, not at a Rockies game because the Nuggets are training in San Diego at the University of San Diego because there are multiple courts for them to use and they don't have that luxury in Denver at Ball Arena. Morons. Come on, man. Stop. And guess what? I don't care who you choose to root for, like Jeff Green or Murray or Michael Porter Jr. Guess what? Michael Porter Jr. probably should be a Royals fan or a Cardinals fan, right? He's from Missouri, went to the University of Missouri. That's who he should root for. So I'm not offended, nor should anybody else be. Okay. We're done with that topic, just for today, because I'm sure I will circle back to that at some uh, point. Uh, At a later date on this podcast, got to talk about Albert. Got to talk about Albert Pujols. There are times in sport where we all pause, whether we have a, a rooting interest or even a great deal of interest ordinarily in a sport or a team or maybe even an individual. But when someone elevates themselves to such greatness and 
we look upon that and say, wow, those are amazing times. And I think everyone who follows sports, even if you're not a hardcore baseball fan, stop for a moment. If you could digest what Albert Pujols has done this year, particularly in the second half, and you go, whoa, he becomes just the fourth member of the 700 home run club. When back in the first half of the season, it was not likely or even plausible that he would eclipse seven, uh, 696 where Alex Rodriguez was situated. Now he's over 700. And yeah, it made me pause. It made me watch. It was one of those things that... Uh, there, there are two things, actually, that have reminded me of the home run chase between McGuire and Sosa back in the day. I remember walking through airports, honest to God, and it was like four deep at a, at a bar when the Cardinals were playing and McGuire was trying to eclipse, you know, 60 home runs and then ultimately, you know, getting to 70 and the battle between he and Sammy Sosa, they were always on. And people people would stop what they're doing just to get a peek at their at-bats. It, it was remarkable. Well, the same thing is starting to occur. It occurred with Albert. All of his at-bats, you know, were, were shown. If you're watching MLB Network, boom, they were cut in. So you're going to show Albert uh, taking his at-bats. The same thing now with Aaron Judge as he has gotten to, as we taped, 60 home runs and trying to tie Roger Maris and, and uh, hopefully eclipse Roger Maris's 61 home runs back in 1961, which is the American League record. Well, Albert hitting 699 and 700 in successive at-bats at Dodger Stadium, no less. I think that was apropos. If it couldn't happen in St. Louis at home at Bush Stadium, I think it was great that it happened at Dodger Stadium because the Dodgers gave him a second life. They threw him, you know, the proverbial life preserver. Because he was he was released by the Angels. Let's not forget that. They just released the great Albert Pujols last year. And the Dodgers took him in. And he performed well for the Dodgers. And he was part of their postseason team. And he was a mentor to a lot of young players. And so the fact that he could hit 699 and 700 back-to-back at bats, amazing. And do it at Dodger Stadium. And I think whether it was at Dodger Stadium or Coors Field or City Field or Wrigley Field, even Wrigley Field, the hated Cardinals come to town, right, three times a year, he would have gotten a standing ovation, a prolonged standing ovation. That's the only way to handle it, even if you despise the Cardinals. It's the only way to handle it because you have to acknowledge greatness. You have to acknowledge a grand achievement. And it's not only that Albert Pujols has been great for 20-plus years. The fact that he got to 700 home runs and the second half he's had is truly otherworldly. Some facts about Albert that um, statistically you may not know. Do you realize that he led the National League among position players for six straight years in war? 2005 through 2010. And Albert wasn't just a one-trick pony. In fact, in 2007, he was tied for first 
in baseball in DRS, defensive run saved. Now, I don't love DRS, and I've railed against it at times, but it's still indicative of a guy who had a good year defensively, and we think of him just offensively. He's been first or second in the MVP voting seven times. There was one time where he led baseball in war, and he finished ninth. I think that was some confusion with the voters. He finished ninth in the MVP voting, but at the end of the year, he had the uh, highest amount of war accumulated. Back when he was uh, coming out of Maplewoods Community College in the Kansas City area, he was famously a 13th round pick with a 402nd pick overall. Crazy. So since July the 5th, he's had a WRC plus, weighted runs created, of 189. So it's 89% better than the average player. How good is that over that period of time, which is more than the second half? Goes back to July 5th, as I said, a couple weeks before the All-Star game. There's only one position player that has a higher WRC+. And I think you can name them. Aaron Judge. So offensively, the second best player, you could make an argument, a convincing argument, the second best offensive player in the game since July the 5th, half a season, has been 42-year-old Albert Pujols, who was released by the Angels a year ago. That, to me, is uh, remarkable. Saw this, um, I don't know if you caught this, Forbes always puts out various lists of you know wealthy people, etc. Well, they, they went through their list of the top 10 wealthiest owners in sports and number one I think this is like several years running is Steve Ballmer former CEO of Microsoft he's lost some money because Microsoft stock like every other stock seemingly has gone down uh, considerably the last uh, several weeks but he's still worth a reported 83 billion dollars so the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers is the wealthiest owner in sports. Number two on that list, I think uh, many of you out there may realize this, is Rob Walton, who just bought the Broncos. Number three, most people would not get another NFL owner, David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. Number four, you'd never get, and I'm raising my hand because I never would have gotten this one, Robert Robert Perra, who owns the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, is four. And Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets, is number five. There's only two baseball owners in the top 20. Uh, Mr. Jones, who owns the Dallas Cowboys, by the way, is number eight. Wealthiest owners in all of sports. And the Cowboys are the wealthiest or or the most... um, Valuable sports franchise worth a reported $8 billion. Thought I'd share that with you. Um, Since we're sort of in football, I will say this much. I don't know if I will talk about Colorado and Colorado State much again this year. It's crazy. The only thing you see on the Internet now these days is how Colorado State and Colorado are 1-2 as in the worst programs right now in college football at the Division I level. It's remarkable, and I hope at some point we can talk about the beginning of a turnaround. But I said it last week, I'm just shocked at at where both of those um, 
programs are. The Rockies this week, or actually uh, several days ago, brought up Ezekiel Tobar. They brought up a lot of young players. And uh, Michael Tolley has been up now for a while. Sean Bouchard uh, has been up uh, for a while. There have been other rookies, as you know, that uh, that have played this year. Ezekiel Tovar, though, was the most heralded of the prospects to come up. Natolia, well thought of, former number one pick in 2019, college kid out of UCLA, and he's he's held his own. He's had some moments. In fact, he has more extra base hits since he's come up uh, than any other player on the Rockies, and uh, he plays really good defense. Made a great catch last night in San Francisco in right field. Plays great at first base, and... You know, it's nice to see him begin the process before his eyes. But I think everyone couldn't wait to see Ezekiel Tovar, who has just flown up the prospect list, not just the Rockies, but Major League prospect list. Uh, You know, wasn't among the top 100. And then, uh, you know, fast forward over the last six months, he's been rated in the teens in terms of one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And uh, he would have been here sooner if not for a groin, a groin strain, hip flexor issue that kept him uh, off the field for a couple of months. But he made his debut, and I'm sure you saw it. First pitch he sees, lines it up the middle, base hit. Second pitch he sees in his next at bat, or actually the second pitch he sees in his big league career, he lines it to left field. Smoked both of them. So he'd seen two pitches and was two for two. Um, seen some nice things from him. I think it's so very important that the, that the Rockies as they try to find answers to getting better and a solution to where they are uh, because they're they're we know they're buried right now at the bottom of an outstanding division and it's going to take some new bodies new life um some some guys who uh, are embarking on their big league career to hopefully become star-level players. And Ezekiel Tovar, long way to go before you call anybody a star, and you never know what happens along that path, but he has that strong potential, uh, which certainly you like. Now, one of the things he's got to work on, he's a very aggressive guy. And at the big league level, they can get you out utilizing your aggressiveness. So he has to learn to spit on pitches that are just off the plate, can't be chasing sliders. And I think in game three, after he had you know, a couple hits in game one, he had a hit in uh, game two, in game three, he struck out three times, and most of the pitches were completely out of the zone. And uh, most of them were sliders, which gets a lot of hitters, a lot of young hitters in particular. So his, his ability to become as good as he's been over the last couple of years at the minor league level and have that translate to the major league level, like so many hitters, again, is going to come down to his ability to force pitchers to throw him pitches inside the zone because he has great hand-eye coordination. He's got pop. He's got extra base to his game. But if you allow major league pitchers to get you out consistently outside of the strike zone, they will keep doing that. So he's going to have to make that adjustment. And uh, I know he realizes that, but I'm excited to see him, excited to see the process begin now this year. So if he makes the club out of uh, spring training next year, and by all indications he should, then you've, you've kind of um, knocked off a few of the things um, that would make a young player bright-eyed. You know, going on his first major league flight, um, road 
cities at the major league level, how you conduct yourself in a major league clubhouse, all of those things. All of those things, you can knock some of that off here in uh, 2022. And they've done that with Tolia. One uh, guy I want to mention very quickly who's really impressed for me, but he flew, you know, he kind of flies beneath the radar, is Sean Bouchard. Sean Bouchard, another UCLA guy who really has a great feel for the strike zone. He's hit a home run. We've seen him, you know, another extra base hit. But it seems like every night he's thrown out a hit or two or walking several times. In fact, we saw him have a three-walk ball game. You cannot have a lineup of free swingers um, more so than ever before. We, as a sport, honor the guy that gets on base. I mean, everybody loves Juan Soto. Juan Soto's not had a good year in terms of batting average, but he gets on because he walks more than anybody in the sport. Sean Bouchard has a great walk component, and I think since he's come up, the only guy who has a higher on-base percentage uh, in baseball, as crazy as this may sound, is Aaron Judge. And I know it's a small, small sample size, but Bouchard has walked to his game. Um, He has a calmness to his game. And, you know, he could be a piece also uh, for the Rockies moving forward. All right, time to get to our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. I thought uh, as we were in the waning days of 2022 that I would uh, be joined by those uh, two guys that I spend uh, so much time with over the <laughs> over the baseball season schedule, going back to spring training, two of my closest friends, two guys I adore. Um, and I thought we'd talk a little more baseball with my TV partners at AT&T Sportsnet. Ryan Spielborgs and Jeff Hewson. And uh, kind of a wide-ranging conversation, like most of our conversations. Enjoy, everyone. Hugh, let me start with you. What is the most endearing quality you think of, of, about Ryan Spielborgs? I think when he brings me coffee... I think that's the best anybody could ask for because he doesn't do it very often. So when he does, it, it, it just shocks me. I don't think he has an endearing quality. What do you think your most endearing quality is? We're not going to ask you about it, either one of us. I think my most endearing quality is when I text people if they want a coffee. <laughs> and I'll go get it for them. Yeah, so would you like a coffee, Huey? I'll go get yes, you a coffee because I know Wilson <laughs> wants one and all of our – our entire crew wants it. Okay, so I'll be back. Okay, see ya. <laughs> did, did this um, lengthen your baseball career, your ability to get coffee? You know what? I mean, there's times where people say, like, your your career was a cup of coffee. Um, I don't think I ever had to go get coffee for other teammates. I did have to pick up Matt Holiday. That was, like, my chore. Like, I had to pick him up. Um, you've heard me tell the story about Holiday. He would hit all the time in the batting cage. And he'd go, Spilly, you got him? And I was like, yeah, I got him, Matt, but what the hell? And he goes, you know I'm going to pick up your steak later. And I was like, okay, I got them all. <laughs> I, was like, I got them all. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, can I get the applause? He's like, whatever you want. I was like, okay. So I would pick up baseballs. <laughs> Were you a smart guy and ever ran errands for either Cal Ripken or Nolan Ryan, two of your more noteworthy teammates? Absolutely, because you want them on your side. So you was like, hey, can I get you anything? I'm going to the food room. Do you need anything? I mean, that's not only being smart that's being a good teammate but that also keeps you around (laughs) i knew i I was working with a bright group okay i'm gonna ask 
two questions, and they're different. So the first is, what gets you most excited moving forward about the Colorado Rockies? I'll start with you, Hugh. Well, when I th- I look at a couple of the young guys that just came up, and I'm talking about Tolia and, of course, Tovar. When I look at those two guys, because you look at the talent level, you see glimpses of it right now. Obviously, they're not a, a finished product. But when I look at those two guys, you could definitely say, okay, those are bona fide major leaguers that are going to be impact type of players, and not just uh, fringy guys. So for me, when I look at those two, that that really jumps off the page. I would say the same thing too. I mean, Tolia and Tovar are two really kind of interesting players. I, I'm also I've enjoyed seeing uh, Bouchard play. I like the walk. I think the walk is probably the most important aspect about the Rockies team that we haven't seen because everybody wants power. Well, you can control the strike zone. You can't always generate power. So a walk is important. That's why the Dodgers are so good and the Astros are so good. So I'm. I just feel like organizationally you're in a place where you can start to kind of cater your team towards those those numbers, power and walk. Okay, I said excited. Now I'm going to ask you, it, it sounds similar, but what makes you most encouraged? Uh, I think there's there's a real sense, and you get this with, uh, with young teams, these guys want to play at the major league level. I mean, this is their chance to be a big leaguer. And uh, for some of them, it's it's wholesale life changes. I think of Charlie Blackman. You know, he was a fourth outfielder. And then he spent an entire offseason training like he's never done before. I hope that that resonates with some of these players. That's how you build a winning franchise is in the offseason. Uh, take it upon yourself to get better. Get, get to a level that you never want to go back to the minor league. So... That's what I'm encouraged about. I just think that the the market and opportunity for some of these players is there if they run with it. Hey, to piggyback off of that, just watching these guys work each and every day, and here we are closing in on the last 10 games of the season, and they're still out there working. I think to me that that's really the separator when I look at a, a kid and see that commitment to continue to finish strong but finish out the season the right way. So your, your work habits should only get better. And when I see some of these young kids, I see the way they, they work. And that is very encouraging to me. All right. The obvious question is, that, you know, the Rockies are going to finish, you know, a, a distant fifth in the division. What concerns you the most about trying to get back to where they were in 17 and 18? What concerns me is that the Dodgers are better and they're not slowing down. Um Arizona's getting better. They're not slowing down. I think the Giants will overhaul, but I think how they went about their process is they're in a good spot. Padres are, I mean, this is the hardest division in baseball. And if you don't adapt and get nimble, and I think organizationally, the Rockies need to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves if they're in the same category as these other ball clubs and don't give finances as as an excuse because it's not. Um, I think the process of it there's, you know, there's there's enough sample size that we've seen from other organizations that I think the Rockies can catch up and improve. And when you look at it, and to me, you have to be able to say, 
you know, we're, we're going to make some changes. And if that includes maybe trading some guys, uh, you know, you you have to look at everything right now. You, you've talked about uh, analytics and research and development. They're trying to overhaul that with Brian Jones, which I think is a step in the right direction. But as Billy was saying a moment ago, you know, this division is very tough. So I, I, I think you have to look at every option and sometimes maybe looking outside the box to whatever that box may be. And for the, for the club, it, it might be a case where you have to subtract to add and who is that player who is that person i don't know but i don't think you you should be concerned or be afraid to do something like that is there one area where you feel like you know to make a a a sizable jump in the win-loss column that has to be addressed for instance you know we, we go through starting pitching pan hitting the ball over the wall things the rockies have struggled with uh in particular this year you know, if you had to put them in order, what would they be for you? Well, I think for first, you have to hit for more power. That's the way this game is designed right now. And and to, to look at the home runs out on the road, not very good. Even at, at Coors Field, it, it needs to be a lot better because that's the way the game is. Um, we You know, we talk about pitching and do all that. To me, the defense this year has just been awful. And you, can't, you know, go back to last year where it was fourth in the league, and now they're 26th in the league. That is a huge regression because I think if you play better defense and your pitching is going to be better. So it, those kind of work hand in hand. So for me, I'd say power, and then the defense has to be much improved. Yeah, and I'm with you. Number one for me is defense. They were at the bottom of baseball defensive efficiency. When they're at their best, they're, they're a top-five team. Um, there's too many balls in play at Coors Field. You have to be able to field the baseball and turn a double play. And I think, if, you know, you, you might look at Herman's season or Kyle's year with their ERA. It was dinged because of the defense. The defense was a big product of, of why some of the numbers for the starters were so bad. Um, and I, that would be my number one thing. I mean, as far as the walk rates, that's all personnel. Um, I think there's some personnel on the team that's that shows signs. Um, if you got to go outside the organization for walk rates, you got to go outside the organization for walk rates. I do believe the higher the contact rate is at Coors Field, the more likely you are to hit for power. So I think power will be a byproduct of, of quality, quality of bats. More with Drew Goodman, Ryan Spielborgs, and Jeff Houston right after this. But first, this for Ideal Home Loans. We tell you all the time that if you're in the market for a new home or you're doing a home improvement project, and I know maybe you've put it off uh, or put off shopping for a new home because interest rates have gone up. There are many questions out there, and there's still many ways that you can take advantage and best use your finance, finances and your resources by calling the good folks at Ideal Home Loans. Their number is 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. They can help home buyers in many ways, from pre-approval process to their closing guarantee and also their interest rate guarantee. So it's important that you get questions answered and that you understand, because markets have changed and we know they've changed dramatically, that that, that does not mean that you can't still do what you want to do in terms of home improvement project, buying another home, or consolidating debt. Just give them a call, 303-867-7000. They're going to answer all of your questions. 303-867-7000. It is Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team. 
Now back to Drew, Spilly, and Huey. All right, big, big four awards. I'm not going through all of them. MVP, we'll start, we'll start with the real big one. MVP American League. Wow. I, I think Judge. I'm going to go with Judge. You're going to go with Judge? That's fine? Yeah. Okay. I, I think you have to go with Judge. I mean, I would say a month ago, no, because, you know, the the criticism of around Judge was that he wasn't doing anything as historic as Shohei Otani. I mean, Otani is leading the American League in strikeouts per nine. He's, like, he's going to be a top three Cy Young. Oh, and by the way, he has close to 40 home runs. <laughs> like, I mean, it, like, Shohei Otani's a – it's a once-in-a-lifetime player, but in the case of Aaron Judge, the season has now become historic to where it compares with Otani. And, um, I mean, you kind of have to go with Judge. Yeah, I, I, I flipped, and I, and I went with Judge because it, it is so historic. But, because but, Philly, I, yeah. you know we've all <laughs> yeah. talked about this off air, whatever the way you want to call it. Real quick, I got another Otani one for you guys. I don't know if you saw this. Otani has been... On average, the fastest guy home to first in baseball this year, 4.07 up the line. Just another thing in his uh, in his tool belt. Okay, Ameri- since we're in the American League, American League Cy Young. I'll go for. I'll say I, I'm going to go with Verlander. Yeah, I'm going to go with you there too. And that's where I wish we could combine, like, have a, a you know Cy MVP because I'd go with Otani because right. he he can do it all. But now I'm with you, Verlander. I would, you know, I was on Verlander's side, but he hasn't been pitching as much down the stretch. And if you were going to pick an Astro, I mean, you almost got to go with Framer Valdez. Um, I think it's 26 consecutive quality starts, still punches people out. But I, I like, I think American League Cy Young is going to get a lot of votes for Shane McClanahan, a lot of votes for Otani, a lot of votes for Verlander. I bet you it'll come down to like one of those four guys but i would actually vote for fromber on a team where he's he's has over 200 innings pitched and he's been impressive he has been impressive um huey uh we're gonna go to the national league in a moment uh a bigger a bigger contrarian ryan spielborgs or Corey sullivan wow um i would probably go with Corey. Because Corey always has to get the last word in. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now back to the regularly scheduled programming. I'll start with you, Spilly. National League MVP, and I thought I'm, I'll, I thought this was slam the gavel down, just like most people have felt like Judge in America. I thought slam the gavel down, Paul Goldschmidt. Do you still feel that way? That one's hard because if you look at the Dodgers, I mean, Mookie Betts has been incredible. Freddie Freeman's been incredible. They're like the numbers that they're putting up and, and we, we tend to just like overlook them because they're part of such a good group of, of players with the Dodgers. And then if you, if you really dig into Paul Goldschmidt's numbers and you look at the second half of the season, believe it or not, Albert Pujols' numbers are even better than Goldschmidt's. So I would have a real tough time voting for Paul Goldschmidt. Like right this second, I would probably pick a Dodger. And if I was to pick a Dodger, I'd go with Mookie. Wow. Interesting. Go for it. Well, I, I I understand everything that you're saying, and I could vote for that. You could sway me, but I'm still going Goldie. Just because of the way that, at times, he put St. Louis on his back and said, hey, you know, join me. And then Nolan Hopta. I mean, there's some surrounding pieces on both teams. But to me, Goldie, um, and and just how impressive, maybe, you know, what he's done, uh, you know, throughout his career, too. But to me, it's Goldie. 
if you want to go Fangraph's war, they're like neck and neck now, Goldie and Nolan, who, by the way, for the seventh time is now a 30 yeah. and 100 guy. Okay, quickly, National League uh, Cy Young. This one's interesting. I mean, there's it's got to be Sandy out of Miami. Just the year he's had, he had another 10 strikeout night last night and uh, or on Saturday night. I think wire to wire, he's on a team that's, you know, defensively is not as good as some of the other teams out there. Um, innings pitch, the horse that he is, the strikeouts, I think wire to wire, it's been Sandy's award the entire year. I can see why you say that, but for me, you look at, at Zach Jane, Gall- you ignorant slut. I yeah. thought you were going there from starting out live. <laughs> I mean, Zach Gallon's numbers are off the chart. He's got a 182 batting average against his whips below one, but Urias, too, with the Dodgers at 17 and 7. He leads the National League in, 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 in a lot of different categories. You could go. So I'm going to go with Urias and the Dodgers. Very interesting. Okay, the most important question of all as we wrap things up. The funniest moment or the moment you remember the most this year from the booth? From the booth? I mean, or from the field or from our travels. You got a moment. I mean, we've had, I mean, it's, it's hard to like pick one because we, we do, we, we have a blast. We have a blast together from throwing out. Cracker Jacks during the seventh inning stretch because I try to kill people with them. <laughs> what did you throw? You threw something on the road yes. that I thought you were going to lose your job, and I can't remember what city we were in, but it was not something that should have been thrown. It was food, but it was heavy food. Yeah, so, I mean, we left them like eat. an apple out. I was like, what are you doing, dude? People are they're not even facing us. Threw like a Granny Smith apple out at Wrigley. It was Ryan Spielberg's. I always like when the fanatic comes in and dumps popcorn all over the booth. I think that is hilarious. Or Rosie Red when she comes up because you turn bright reds, Billy. And that, that to me, is one of the best. I, yeah, I am in love with her. I mean, there's no question. Except uh, Mrs. Met this year, she made a she made a pass with Mr. Met right there, and she's moved up. In the- <laughs> it's kind of an uncomfortable thing. Right, it was exactly. uncomfortable because I know his relationship with Rosie Red, and then Mr. Met was there and. Mrs. Matt, it was just, yeah. Yeah, it was awkward. Yeah, he, Spilly has a, a thing for creatures. <laughs> but I think the thing that, that people don't get to see is the fun we have as a group. The, I hope they see it on the air, though, well, a little no, bit. No, exactly, but behind the scenes, when we're off the air, the, the camaraderie, because it is, it's fun. I mean, we're our own team, but the jokes that we have with each other and and to, to me that's what makes this game sometimes when the game's not going the way you want it or something's happening we always have each other to, to be able to kind of fall back on yeah what, what well well said and um before i tell you how much i love you guys but you know uh you um if we could have a sideshow the um like during the commercial breaks or pre or post game over beers. I don't know if we'd win any award, but it'd be entertaining. But I think there would be a lot of views on YouTube. <laughs> I think we'd get some there, maybe yeah, some, uh, some good laughs. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, off the field, we, we, we enjoy spending our times with each other and uh, we're probably, yeah, for the most part, we're mostly civilized. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> mostly civilized. <laughs> 
I think Huey's the most civilized. I'm number two, and you are you you are like you are like Gracie. You're never going to win the race down in Arizona. See you, boys. Have a great off season. I'll talk to you on March first. Thanks, Drew. Good pass. Thanks, Drew. Don't call me till then. We're going to a party tonight. You forgot. Never a dull moment uh, with those two guys, and. Uh, you know, for a moment, I'll be serious again. And that is to say that I am so fortunate and we are as a team, we have, you know, great people who produce and direct and, and, uh, do so many of the things behind the scenes that you don't see. And you know, all the on-air people from Corey and Jenny and Kelsey, we just have a great team. We really do. And, um, and a team that really gets along team of creative, talented people that like each other a lot. And, um, it, it really makes for a great workplace. So uh, my my big time thanks to uh, to specifically in this one to Spilly and Huey for uh, for all they do to make um, to make this such a fun gig. Um, since we were talking about awards and I didn't really weigh in, I'm not going to weigh in on every darn award because there's time to do that. We'll do it on television. I said last week, uh, I talked about Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani and how, how I had flipped over the last four to six weeks that, you know, now I, I felt like Judge should be the MVP. So we had talked about that. Um, American League Cy Young, I'm going to give the nod and there's kind of a little bit of you know, honoring such a great career and such a great comeback because this guy's close to 40 and he just had Tommy John surgery. But Justin Verlander with a with a 1.8, as we talked, ERA, which is, I think, three-quarters of a run or in that neighborhood better than Framber Valdez, who if he wanted, I would have no issue with. He's made three more starts uh, because Verlander was down for a little bit. But my American League Cy Young vote, if I had one, would go to uh, Justin Verlander. Uh, National League Cy Young Award. There's a lot of great candidates, but I would go with uh, Miami Sandy Alcantara. And the reason being, I think at the end of the year, he's going to throw in the neighborhood of 50-plus innings more than the nearest really good candidate. And the Dodgers have like three candidates. There's a lot of good candidates. Zach Gallant's come on like gangbusters. I mean, if you could pick one guy right now to represent the National League and start the All-Star game, you'd probably go with Zach Gallant right now. A lot of good candidates, but um, I'm going to take uh, Sandy uh, out, of, uh, out of Miami this year for the Cy Young. And in the National League MVP voting, this is tightened up. Because a few weeks ago, it looked like it was a foregone conclusion to be Paul Goldschmidt who's never won one, despite greatness in Arizona. And now, what is he, in year three with uh, something like that with with St. Louis. But his uh, partner in crime, and I know this would pain a lot of folks, and I understand it, uh, Nolan Arenado has come on. I mean, he hasn't just come on like gangbusters. He's been good all year. So they have they have the, probably the two top candidates. I said this on television the other day. Don't dismiss what Manny Machado's done posting up every day for San Diego and a team that it looked like they were going to go off the rails, especially after the Fernando Tatis thing. Soto wasn't great once you know in the uh, immediate aftermath uh, of that trade, and he, and he truly hasn't been great uh, since that trade. Josh Bell hasn't been great. Uh, since that trade. Manny Machado deserves heavy consideration and there are other guys, but let's just focus on the two St. Louis guys right now who've been aided by the guy we were talking about earlier and Albert Pujols, naturally. 
Um, Tommy Edmonds had a great year, but they hit next to each in the lo- next to each other in the lineup. Goldschmidt third, and Nolan fourth. And I was breaking down a bunch of numbers, and one reason I, I, I think I would lean toward Goldschmidt is that his OPS is in the neighborhood of 100 points higher than Nolan's. Nolan's great. He's just under 900. He's had a fabulous fabulous year, 30-plus homers, 100-plus RBIs. Um, but I thought I'd reach out to my buddy Danny Mack, who has done the Cardinals for years and years and years, my counterpart on the television side. And I, and I just texted him earlier. I said, man, who's, who's the MVP for you? And he said, Goldie. He said, Nolan's come on. Goldie has tailed off a little bit in September, but if you look at the whole body of work for six months, it's Paul Goldschmidt. And you know what? This is a guy who watches every Cardinals game, knows them both backwards and forwards. Nolan's had another gold glove caliber year. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's no slouch at first. Some of the metrics are not as favorable on on Goldie this year. Um, and, And third base, probably a more valuable position defensively than first base. Taking all that into consideration and, and leaning also heavily on, on my buddy and Danny Mack, I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt for uh, MVP and Nolan. He'll win one at some point, but he's going to he's going to finish in the top five again. He's probably going to finish second uh, to his good friend and uh, and partner across the diamond. So there's my National League. MVP. So you got that, uh, you can take that and stuff it in the um, garbage, like uh, like most of those ward predictions. All right, listen, I appreciate your time as always this week. Hope you had fun uh, listening. Join my uh, partner, Patrick Lyons, on the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm with him uh, once a week, and um, make sure you download their stuff. Tell your friends about what we do. We're going to do it again next week. We'll have uh, Billy Schmidt, Buddy Black coming up uh, in uh, future podcasts as we kind of put the uh, period at the end of this 2022 season, which uh, obviously has been disappointing. But you start looking ahead to 2023 and how you can get the uh, equation right, so to speak. Take care. We'll do it again in seven days. Be well. Stay safe.